Uncensored Radio Real Talk Roundtable. Real life, real laughs, real talk. Hey, Jeff, is this thing on? Girl, I don't know, but you know what is on? Miss Sandy. Sandy's on. How excited. She is. Hello, Miss Sandy. How are you going? Hello. It's been a long time since we've seen you. Well, actually, only probably, what, a month? But, you know. (laughs) What's the countdown? What's the countdown? How long till you don't have to hide behind the picture anymore? Oh, 12 months. Oh, my gosh. Mm. And then Sandy can be with us in spirit and in person. Yes. And in flesh. Yes. Yes. In the flesh. (laughs) Well, we've been talking about lots of flesh, but we'll get to that later. Um, So. (laughs) Luna. (laughs) Luna. Luna. Um, Look, Sandy. We want to talk about self-care today, so Mm -hmm. let's get started. Like, we've actually got some tips about it, but I guess I want to ask first, Jeff, what is your definition of self-care in your head? Um, Self-care would probably be all the things that I don't do. Mm -hmm. Like, my idea of self-care is getting a shower every day and playing music. Like, it's the only peace and quiet I get, (laughs) Um, you know, having three kids, so it's it's definitely something I'm not good at at all. I never have been. Look, my my self care regime is literally ordering food so I don't have to cook it, and having extra long shower because that's my time out away. But like, then that we... doesn't work out because I get a kid in the room. Then right. like, are you coming back? I'm like, oh yes, and I am. One more but... person is like. What are you doing in there? Why are you in the bathroom for 40 minutes? Because it's the only peace and quiet I get. Uh, Look, I think the first thing that jumps to mind for me around self-care, funnily enough, is the ability to say no to things, to people, Mm -hmm. um, to extra, you know, requests and work and stuff. And I think when I hit a point where I feel like I'm overstressed or I'm overworking or I just need a bit more self-nurture, it's usually because I'm doing too much. Um, so, you know, it might be a no to that extra client that week, or it might be a no to, you know what, I'm not going to make dinner. I'm going to order in tonight, you know, and just kind of trying to artfully, mindfully do a bit less, um, and allow myself to rest. So that's kind of the first thing that jumps to mind when I think self-care. Um, other, other than that, just, um, you know, looking after yourself, I think self-care for me is like caring for someone it's like if you can imagine how do I, how would I look after someone else if they were unwell or they needed nurture? You know, if someone was sick, what do you think of? I'll bring them nice food. I'll keep them warm, um, keep them company, you know, and that's the kind of things I think we need to do for ourselves, feed ourselves well, give ourselves some nourishment, maybe reach out to a friend, have a good conversation with someone about whatever and that's yeah, just kind of going within a bit more. And I, I think. think, yeah, it's it's the holistic approach. So I think a lot of people think of, like, you know, self-care as just, uh, you know, exercise or just one thing or the other, but it's really going inside, isn't it? Like looking after your mental health, looking after your physical health, and then also looking after, I guess, your relationships and your emotional connections. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, in some cases, if you're a very outward person or you're very engaged with people, then it might be about going in. But if you're the opposite and you're, for whatever reason, socially isolated, then self-care might be about reaching out, you know, calling up a friend, 
talking to your well, if your family is a nourishing environment, <laughs> if they're not, uh, calling the your chosen family, you know, your friends, people that will love you and and support you, whatever you're feeling, and you know, pick up the phone rather than just sort of this online space that we have. And um, yeah, so I think it just it, it depends what you need. It could be it could be at one or the other. Um, but other little things, you know, I, I'll have. I think just giving myself permission to stop, to to watch yeah. Netflix without feeling guilty, you know, to cuddle my teddy and curl up with a hot wheat bag if that's what my body needs or my brain needs, um, and just Cancel not feeling plans. guilty about I'm, that. I'm I'm bad yeah. for that. I always feel like <laughs> something I've, I've I'm obligated to do it, and then I'll be getting stressed about it because I'll be like, oh gosh, like I've got this and this and this to do. Am I going to be able to squeeze that in? Um, and I guess it's just being having that insight just to say we'll stop and just say no and that's it that ability to say no i think a lot of us are are yes people and we think that that's i don't know it's that people please our instinct so being able to say no in a polite way that respects you and allows someone else to respect where you're at just go you know what i just can't i just can't do that today you know let's do that next week or let's do that tomorrow or whatever yeah um yeah. Vera, what, what's your interpretation of self-care? Now, you're a nurse. Well, I know you do shift we work. Do, we do a lot of different uh, coursework, classes at the clinic. We have, this is Mental Health Awareness Month here at the uh, in good old USA. And for our clinic, we've been giving out seedlings, little plants for everybody to take care of. And there's a whole gardening class. Oh, please does that touch, here. You know, how to get in touch with. The, the plant and the earth and and we do have a lot of really avid gardeners at the clinic and we also have a yoga for anxiety class and we encourage people you know if, if you don't if you've never experienced nurturing you don't know how to nurture anything let alone yourselves mm-hmm. we do a lot of education on how to be a nurturer and how to care for other things and yourself you know yeah that's the thing too like a lot of people think you're being a bit selfish or something. Oh, that's how I feel whenever I just want to do something for me. And it's not often I do things for me anymore. Um, and I feel like I'm being a little bit selfish, but I think you have to in order to maintain uh, yourself. Like you can't be any good to anyone else if you're not your best self, right? Well, I think Katie hit it right on the head. I think her first part of saying no and allowing yourself to say no is one of the hardest things ever. Mm-hmm. I, I find standing up for myself and putting my foot down in life was a lot easier than saying no to somebody. That's, that's a tough one. That's just the opposite. Yeah, girl, I, know. I can't She's stand like, up for myself, but I'll stand up for you. <laughs> but saying no, no, busy, can't do that, no, not interested, not going to do it. Yeah. Well, Sandy, can you give us um, a little rundown quickly of what self-care is? Well, from a social work background, um, we would call it kind of, you know, a, a basic kind of a attending to yourself. I mean, it's something that we all need to do on a regular basis. It's either a set of activities. It also sort of incorporates a mindset Um, And it's really bread and butter of what we do um, alongside clients as we always sort of work out, um, you know, self-care strategies and and 
a way of meaningfully sort of being here in the world, you know, and that's what our self-care does. You know, it helps us position ourselves and, and to actually participate in our lives to our full and, and most, um, you know, uh, sort of potential, the most potential we can get from it. So that's kind of from a social work background. Um, we're notoriously bad at practicing self-care um, and we're usually burnt out and, you know, especially, um, I mean, you would understand like working in the health field. Um, I was you know, going to say, do you think like health workers and parents as well, so it includes Jeff, like we put ourselves very much on the bottom of the list. And absolutely. Yeah, there's that kind of servitude stuff that happens, that servitude discord and and discourse rather um and we sort of put ourselves on the back burner and i mean there's that old saying isn't it you know that if we're not attending to ourselves we really can't attend to those um who are important to us as well like you know children and mm. partners and parents and whoever else we have close connections with or caring roles um so yeah it's it's really important it's actually kind of the backbone of of us getting on with our day absolutely well and it's kind of a newer concept really right because i don't know that in my childhood, I ever saw an adult model self-care. That's a great point, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that as a society, we're recognizing more and more the importance of having these practices in place so that, you know, we, we feel good. And I like to use the example of our smartphones um, because self-care self is so downplayed. Um, it's dismissed a lot. It's forgotten. My upbringing is similar to yours where I've got no idea what that concept was growing up. Um, right. So, you know, if we have our smartphones and we use them a lot and we've got a lot of different apps on them, so think about yourself and all the apps you've got going on in your life and it's constantly going... And, you know, when we just leave apps going, you know, in the background as well, and we don't properly switch them off and that mm -hmm. stuff just keeps going and it takes away, you know, energy and, you know, I guess not just energy, but I guess our kind of zest for life in a way, you know, like that little bit of kick that we have. And we always put our phones on the charger, right? We, we put them on, we recharge and we're like, yeah, that battery's getting low. So, yeah, you know, it's I really... just did it now before this because I'm using my yeah. phone. <laughs> I, yeah, to, I, I was mean, like, oh, it's down to 70%, better charge. Oh, absolutely. It's not too dissimilar to our mind and body, and I think that we need to recharge and we need to think about our input and output, and that's something that a lot of a lot of us have grown up not seeing, even though if our, our parents or whoever our significant caregiver is, you know, didn't have those kind of routines. Maybe they did. It just wasn't spoken about. Why no, was it stigmatised? Like, was yeah. it stigmatised? Is it because of the culture back then was, you know, to be doing something like for yourself where you, what would you say? Like? I think definitely for women it was because I think if you were a mother, you were not expected to do things for yourself ever. It would be selfish, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be yes. considered selfish. You were a bad mother, yeah. You're supposed <laughs> yeah. to take care of kids or you have a job and you have to take care of your kids. Like, it, it's never like when do you and have did you time find that like you? during the 80s when you know when it became quite normalized for women to have a career and a family mm -hmm. that they were expected to do both but yeah. husband kind of wasn't well, i know I think, everyone's circumstances are different it's different now like look jeff we raise kids on our own yeah right, but i guess I this... think even then i think or even now i mean i still see men being like oh she doesn't have to work she gets to stay at home with the kids all day Bitch, you stay at home with the kids all day uh -huh. and then let me know because you're home all day with the kids. That is a job. 
That's a Absolutely. job. This is the, it's often the unpaid, undervalued labor. It's, it's labor. Like that's labor. I mean, we, you know, you love your kids and whatnot, but it is labor. And, and you know, 24 seven, it doesn't yeah. end. Yeah. yeah. And, and you find too, like, um, this is sidetracking a bit from self-care, but you know, these female oriented professions and that women would go into teaching, nursing, yeah are very underpaid in contrast to other professions. Oh, yeah, the gender pay gap is alive and well. I mean, we had a colleague a couple of months ago who said that, oh, you get the same award rate as me. And we're like, you know what? I might, but guess what? You don't have to do things like, if this is all by choice, by the way, everyone, <laughs> but you don't do pregnancy. You don't do um, the actual childbirth. Um, you don't do the first six months of the of a caring role, usually for a child. I know that your situation's, you know, um, different to that. Unique. But, yeah. yeah, it's unique. It's unique. Um, but, and you know, I've had a little one too yeah, from, there from you go. day dot. Yeah. And you guys would yeah. know that, you know, through that lived experience as well, that, you know, there's, there's no a, way I could have worked. You don't, there's no and way I could have worked during What are you time. missing out on? You're missing out on superannuation entitlements. You're missing out on accruing leave. You know, you, I mean, then often, you know, caregiving roles often usually fall with women um, and they often look after their parents then or other people's children or, you know, whatever. And, yeah, that's, that's where that gender pay gap comes into play. I mean, we start seeing, you know, less opportunity, less ability to have an earned income. So, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you on that. Yeah. I mean, look, when I, the boys came and, and I knew they were going to stay and I was a single parent, I had to walk away from a career that at the time it was still, I was still building it. It was over a hundred thousand dollars a year that I had to give up. It was either yeah. the career or children. I couldn't do both. No. There was no way I tried to live in nanny. It didn't work. It, and, and I felt horrible the whole time because something was always suffering either work was suffering yeah. or the kid and it's not it's so difficult so then when it comes to like luke's like we're going to talk about self-care and i'm like <laughs> please don't <laughs> so what did you lose jeff like you think about you gain a lot don't you you've gone home you're with your kids and that's all wonderful and great and you know you gain so much it's enriching as hell but then we think about what are the lost opportunities in your career what are things that you've missed out on you know like what, what well, would they look like? And I think people don't really acknowledge like being a dad or being a mom. Mm. That's not enough. You still have to be who you are. And that's a really difficult thing to figure out when you're a single parent, especially when you have two kids that have multiple diagnoses. Like it mm. is a big challenge. And I wouldn't change anything, but it's it's definitely a struggle, you know? And I think people are afraid to admit that, that it is hard, it's not easy. And I definitely probably most days don't know who I am anymore, aside from being dad. Yeah, that's the stuff. Mm. Yeah, like, you know, I sort of, it's, it's I guess it's a little bit of a, a bitter pill to swallow or to admit is that you lose yourself a bit when you become a parent because it's not about you anymore yeah. um and we sort of dedicate so much and then you you get like you know well what do i actually like to do and what do i want to you know indulge in and it's like that you actually forget because you're so fated on 
you know, yeah. these little people that you need to bring up in this world and you've got all the anxiety surrounding that too, you know, you don't want them to have a horrible time, you want them to be prepared for what's going to come, like all of that's always bubbling as well. And I think it's, yeah, to self-care after all of that, it's something we put way back on the back burner. Yeah. If I remember to put my face creams on once a week, I'm excited, you know? Like, everybody's like, oh, you're fat? Just go work out. Yeah, when would you like me to do that? Me and the kids are going to go for a walk, but they're slow and they're veering off into bushes and shit. I can't, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it's, it's not enjoyable. Like, it's not fun for me. It doesn't make it's it work. easy. Yeah, like, it's a chore. Yeah. It's another yeah. chore. So not only am I trying to get my fat ass out there and drag it so I can go lose a few pounds, but then I'm taking three kids with me because other than that, then I got to hire somebody to watch them, which then tips them over. And it's, 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 you know, it's a battle. So again, like I wouldn't change anything, but I definitely know that I'm not taking care of myself in a way that should and that too i want them to know that it's okay to have to do that i don't want them to have like the role model that i had where it was your whole life is your kids that you know my parents didn't have friends they didn't go out like we were their world you know it's family members they were close to but they didn't have a social life and i'm like "Mm, you know i'm i'm gonna need that a little bit and this is the first part, isn't it, to developing a self-care plan is awareness, self-awareness. I call this taking your pulse. You know, you sort of sit mm-hmm. back and go, what is going on for me right now? This is how you can prioritise what needs to be a part of your self-care. And, I mean, Jeff, you're speaking about, like, I would really like to engage in exercise, but there are barriers, very real barriers. Like, you know, I have kids who, who can make that a bit challenging for me. Um, and I guess that comes back to you know, thinking through what has worked sometimes in the past, what's worked in the past for you. Sometimes, you know, looking to resources that are around you. Um, And that's something I think we discussed before the show was, I think, Luke, and maybe I discussed it with you, around that action before motivation. Um, Yes, I actually did for that. Um, Yeah, because it's Mm. one of those things. um, (laughs) Lovely Luna Tuna is, yeah. She's part of the show now, okay? Yep. Um. <laughs> she's, our, she's our mascot. And you know what? God love her because I'm not convinced she is a woman. But, well, <laughs> girl, get your money. Jeffrey. You know what? I think she's the epitome of action before motivation. <laughs> if we... Put the real Honey. photo on. Oh, Lord. Oh, I can't do that. No. That's terrible. Um, oh, oh. Oh. Yeah. So Luna, someone who will get it before she thinks about it. Absolutely. You know, she's first asked questions later. That's like, Luna. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I mean, we look back at what self-care is, and, I mean, there's so many elements to it, like those very basic physical ones around you. Like, Jeff, you mentioned having a shower is important, and it absolutely is. That is self-care. You know, that's a, a starting place. Let's put it that way. Like, it, it's a good starting point. All right, I'm having a shower every day. I'm kicking goals. That's great. You know, and you. then we look to our sleep and our eating and exercise and, you know, you look at your physical space around you that your body is in, like your workspace, your your bedroom, like what are those places like? And, you know, and then you can move into the emotional stuff around your 
relationships and boundaries. Boundaries is a big one. Can I? We don't have relationships on this show. Can we talk though about (laughs) boundaries, the importance of boundaries and and knowing, you know, if you don't want to do something, don't. If you do want to do something, do it. Like, you know, if you don't want to be friends with someone, you don't really gel with them. Oh, Jeff, I think your boundaries are better than mine. Like we've all, you know, from day dot, I've been honest that I've got issues. (laughs) I've gotten a lot better as I've gotten older. Um, Before we even started having kids, probably since my late 20s, I kind of, I had long, very long-term friendships that were, you know, at least in my teenage years, especially people that were gay or gay friendly, you know, that I kind of made as I was coming out. But getting closer to 30, I realized the relationships weren't that healthy. You know, mm. it was kind of one-sided, and it was like, okay, these people need to go. So I, I got that down pretty well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not a surprise. Like, I don't, you know, secret, I, I don't talk to my parents. I don't talk to my siblings. Uh, it wasn't a healthy thing for me. And two, I didn't want my kids to see the dynamics of what I went through. And it just wasn't something I was going to continue. And so for me, like, that was a win. Like, I picked me, I picked my mental health, and I wasn't going to put myself through any of that anymore. Good for you. They kind of call that a door slam, don't they, Sandy? Like, Yeah, and it's something we sometimes need to do. It took a long time to do it, and it was was hard. It wasn't something easy to do. Let's call it an informed choice, Jeff. Like, you've taken some time to gather the evidence, you know, and you're like, look, I can tell now this is really not working for me. Yeah. You know, you've worked that out, um, you know, and, and that's something that I think only happens over time. Like yeah. you can't just do that quickly. You know, and too, when I was going through the divorce, it was very much like, okay, I can't control anything he says or does or how he feels. The only thing I can control is me. So I needed to, you know, I, I started to focus on like, well, what didn't I do right in the marriage? What were my faults? How did I screw this up? Because that was the only thing I could grasp onto and have control of. So it was something I felt like I needed to do fully in my life. But now it's a little different because I have three little people who need me all the time. And finding that balance is a challenge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Sandy, I know we were going to talk about a self-care toolkit. So I think Jeff and I did definitely need to work on one right now with you. I know. I was thinking we should do it real time. We should, like, create yeah. one. Um, Let's create one. Okay. <laughs> so, so we've taken our pulse, haven't we? You know, mm-hmm. we haven't heard so much from Luke on that. We've heard from Jeff on what's going on. Let's be self-aware of what our needs are. Um, mm-hmm. And sort of thinking about how we can expand on some of the things we are doing well at the moment. So Jeff's taking a shower every day. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm participating. I'm, I'm doing those things to look after myself. But one of the main things that I guess the how well this works for you is how well you ritualize it. And that's the thing that, you know, with self-care, if it's if it's not a habit, if it's not something that we do and we're relying on feeling motivated to do it, um, that's not always going to work. The reason why we need self-care is because we don't feel motivated in life, you know. So it, it's one of those sort of ritualistic behaviours that we sort of incorporate into the everyday. We set reminders. We have something written down like just a post-it note up on your computer screen, you know. Take a stretch every hour, Jeff. Like, you know, that's good for you. It's good for your body to move. So, you know, it's it's those kind of things that we sort of do. In terms of a self-care toolkit, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so what yeah. are they first? What is a self-care toolkit? So um, I, I would say it's like a little 
it's like a physical box or something of the of that kind, right? So this is not this is not like a mindset thing. This is like a physical kind of a toolkit that you can draw on. Um, now mine, if I'll give you an example, uh, mine has items in there like I have sometimes tea or chocolate. One time wine made its way in there. Um, you know, <laughs> one <laughs> just time, think, just one yeah, time. maybe three. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> Um, sometimes it can be a little list of things that you've written when you've felt in a really positive, good mindset about yourself. Sit down and write 10 things that you think are fabulous about yourself and pop it in that toolkit. Pop it in there. So when you're feeling shit, you go to that toolkit and you're like, those are the awesome things about me. You know, even if it's just three, just just pop it down when you're feeling good. Every now and then we do feel good. Just three, Jeff, just three. <laughs> just get a couple down. That's um, long, girl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could put some creams in there. Some people use crystals and things, you know, and that kind of healing. Um, a list of songs that are like amazing that you that really resonate with you and give you that kind of awesome feeling, like I'm on top of the world. Sometimes some of this just doesn't resonate, though. Um, so it's kind of like know. items that that induce a positive feeling in yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether, and I think yeah. it's important to say, like, on our pursuit of happiness, um, it's not just all about pleasure as well. Um, mm. you know, we also have purpose in there, like what why do we do things? What's the the purpose of something? Um, so that's really important to keep in mind as well. Um, and passion, you know, these are the things that we want to foster in happiness. So, you know, when we're aiming for what happy is, we think about our passion and purpose and pleasure. So all of those things um yeah. which yeah, create that kind of happiness feeling. But if I were to ask you guys, mm -hmm. I might start with Luke, what would be yes in your toolkit. Say this afternoon you have a bit of a crappy day at that work and you've come home, what would it be in there that would cheer you up? All right, so I'm going to avoid um, putting alcohol in there because that's an easy <laughs> one to go to. Wise choice. Because you don't, that could become a problematic very quickly. You know, it's happening to Becky on the corners right now, girl, I'd love you. Um, <laughs> I think, look, I, I would like to put a a book in there, like something I, I read on Kindle now, so I actually don't read books anymore, but actually I think a physical book would be good because you actually tune out. Reading something on Kindle and someone messages you on Facebook, you read it, so you're constantly not tuning mm -hmm. out. Um, yeah, so something like a book, I think um, some relaxation music too. I was doing... Um, a lot of listening to uh what's the word um you know like meditations at one Healing point meditation. i actually got right in yeah i got right into that for a little while and i thought this isn't me like this is so stupid but when i did for you know it became a ritual it was how i fell asleep yeah um unfortunately then my child got older and um constantly wants to be in my my bed and in my area um, so I just stopped. It just was something I just stopped because I was like, oh, well. Here we know, come I'm, back to I'm, boundaries again, don't we? We do. Let's <laughs> talk about boundaries, Sandy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stay on your toolkit. It's all sounding really good uh, so far. Okay. So what else I'd put my – yeah, music. I love music. Music, something that I like to yeah. tune out to. Um, you know, like eons ago I used to love performing and singing. So I guess I have a real strong connection with music. Uh, but that's something important I would like to include. And then also, yeah, maybe um, 
Look, I, I like to keep photographs. Photographs to me are very important. I was going to ask that. Do you have like a photograph of you and maybe Buffy or, you know, something? I, I do. Look, I've got even, I've got her on my desk right now. Like that's the thing. It's just little things that like remind you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there she is in my ring light. Like, yeah. Let's get her right in. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like just, and family, you know. Yeah. I like to keep um keep things from family and just have it either written down or, um, you know, stuff that I, I treasured for myself and it doesn't necessarily mean anything to other people. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing. I actually do have a treasure. Actually, speaking of the self-care toolkit, though, I do have a box up here that I put every single card I get, every single, like, things from people I will just keep in there. And my hope is, like, you know, when I'm old, I'll just give it to Buffy and be like, you know, these are all the people that had yeah, but what about now, meant something in my life. What about now when, you know, like, especially when we feel like we're quite I've alone. I've never looked in it. I've just Why don't you one day it. pop it out, have a look, and look at all the people who've thought of you? You know, like it is, it's very grounding and it's, and it's nice to actually reflect oh, back. But I guess then it comes to down to that anxiety of, like, you know, sometimes we avoid wanting to feel stuff too, we? I don't mm. want to, you know, I, I, I do tend to avoid emotion. Um, I don't know why that is about me, but I want to get too sentimental or too um, sad by looking at something. I wouldn't even be sad. It would be like a nice sad. But, you know, I, I do tend to avoid that. I'm very good at avoiding, you know, getting too deep with things. Mm. And, yeah, I think the self-care toolkit does require a little bit of that too, doesn't it? It does. It, it. I guess it requires insight and also the want to be raw. So that's yeah. probably something I need to work on too. It's like you know. You probably have that covered, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't unload too much, Jeff. <laughs> Let's what get was... into your self care toolkit, bitch. Come on. Um, <laughs> I'm so bad at this stuff. Like I was in therapy for three years, and she's like. <laughs> And you were like, do the 10 things. She's like, do 10 things positive about you. I got to three. I'm like, I don't know. Start small. Yeah. Start so small. The first thing would be um, Miss Katie Underwood's Amantra oh, Dreaming. <laughs> you can oh, get Katie. on iTunes <laughs> right now. Or you can order a hard copy of your CD. Just go to our website and find Katie's page. And you can order that. So that's number one. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know, right? Like, I think a pile of money would be great. Just, just to uh, see it. Yeah, because <laughs> for me, it's a security issue, right? It's not really about the money. It's not having material things. But it's knowing that the kids are okay, I'm okay. Um, you know, it was really scary going through the divorce and walking away from that career. I didn't know how the hell I was going to mm. do everything. Yeah. So for me, like that is something and being able to travel makes me happy. I love uh, this one, Jeff, this symbol of money and what it means for you. So many people have such a sort of dirty association with it. But, you know, I'm hearing you that what that symbolizes for you, it's freedom. It's security. Yeah. It's it's something it's an abundance. You know, it's something that's really important to you. And it's such a great one to remind you. It's like, I'm OK. You know, yeah. like yeah, it's not about yeah. having the mega mansion anymore or any no. anything like that, but it's about security. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, because it's something I've always looked for and always have, like felt lacking in, you know? 
Um, I think sometimes too, Jeff, like we, we sort of don't see the positives that we've achieved well as a parent. Like, you know, that is no, something that I'm anxious about all. is providing security for, you know, little people. And, um, and I have done that. Like, you know, I've bought a house, you've bought a house, um, you know, there's enough room for the people that need to live in it, all of that kind of stuff, putting money into the house all the time. Um, I don't, you know, it never feels rewarding because it feels like, oh, I need to do this and there's still so much more to do. I don't know if that's the mindset you're in. That's always what I'm in. I'm like, yeah. okay, I've got to do this next, this next, this next, this next, and it doesn't sort of end. Right. It becomes... I, I get to the point where I then burn out. And then it's like, okay, I'm turning, tuning out the wo- world. The kids and I are going to jump in the bed together and we're going to watch movies all day because I just cannot do people. I don't care what happens. Like, I just, I have to. It's I'm draining. Trying. It's draining. People, yeah. people, people. It's draining. And you do need that time to recharge. That's you putting your, your charger in, Jeff, and closing some apps down and having that time. And it's totally okay. Katie Underwood. What would yes. you put in your self care kit? Uh, I would put um, I would put a box of lint chocolate balls. Mm. Oh, Amen, girl. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be the first thing I would pull out of my self care kit, and then maybe a nice fresh punnet of strawberries, and then probably uh, a binge watch session of my favorite show on Netflix, whatever that might be. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Food, rest, a bath, <laughs> a massage, possibly in that order. Not necessarily. Just throw <laughs> them all in, however yes. it comes. Throw them all in. That's that's what I would do. And look, I mean, there are other things depending what sort of self care I need. You know, if it's just rest, or maybe it's um, Maybe it's more about mental health support. So one of my support measures in place, um, I have a therapist that I see when I need to, that I consider that to be part of my self-care. And even just simple things like journaling, you know, when I'm having a feeling and and just pulling out my diary, which is in, you know, my bedside table and just writing as many pages as I need to write and just getting whatever is in my head out of my head and that allows me to sort of find my peace Obviously, other Actually, things like listening to music and meditation, but, music. you know, journaling is good. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it's a good point you brought up, though, about, you know, speaking to someone. Um, a lot of people think that if you go and see someone to speak to, there's a stigma attached to it, like there's something wrong with you. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel it's like almost prophylactic, right? Like you're you're making sure that things yes. are cool and you're mm-hmm. staying on top of everything. Um I think that's something that needs to change, especially in Australian culture. I know in the US it's a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say it's that but much better, you know. I mean, every time the gun argument comes up, Jeff brings up mental health. <laughs> There's a mm. huge stigma and, and it's something we fight all the time. You know, I tell my clients all the time, it doesn't matter what the nuns told you at school. You don't have to live in pain, mm. you know. And, now, uh, Miss Vera. What yes. would you be placing in your self-care kit? <laughs> well, something that didn't show my hair getting all yucky. <laughs> it's very wet and I'm very frizzy. Uh, I would definitely have books and music. They're you know, my go-to escapes when the world's getting a little stressful. 
you know, probably some binge watching material, but <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't get through a day without books and music. But we yeah. need it. I think too, yeah. like maybe I'd have like an empty box, you know, that just signifies being alone. I like alone time. I like just being in quiet by myself and it doesn't happen very often. What are the and kinds of things that you do alone? I don't know if I should open that box, but no, no, no. It's, not even, it's just being able to like, listen, like Luke music's a big thing for me too. My grandmother was a singer, you know, so it was always in our house, but getting to yeah. like, just kind of be in the moment and listen to music, take it in and, and not have a child run. You know what I mean? Like it's just that, that yeah. time for you to decompress or to read a book. You know, I, I, I yeah. love reading. I try to either, you know, that at night or I'll put my headphones in and listen to music after the kids go to sleep. That yep. is stuff that's really important to me. That And it, do you feel good afterwards? Do you actually feel yeah. good? Yeah. Like yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah, want to, I'll... do we? We're like, oh, I couldn't be bothered. I'm too tired. I'm too stressed. And, you know, it's like, all right, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to bite the bullet and do it because I know that I feel good after. And then you feel good and you're like, damn, it wasn't that hard. But, you know, it's just getting that, that you know, feeling or sense that we need the motivation when it's just that action part, isn't it? It's like, I'm just going to get in and do it. And mm -hmm. the more that we have these rituals, the more that we weave them into our everyday life, um, the more likely that we are to to feel better. I mean, the evidence base shows us that this decreases stress and anxiety and depression and other comorbidities like hypertension and, and um, strokes, like, you know, actually practicing self-care and, and weaving this into our everyday life is so, so important. All those things so you it, just it, said made me feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> he's saying, like he's saying <laughs> here somewhere <laughs> but yeah. i guess what you're saying though sandy is the important thing is to actually start doing little things to build absolutely yeah absolutely so you know and, and working with the body i believe in the wisdom of the body and just a small thing that you can do is you know start with your body start where you're at like say if you're sitting in a chair and you're like i just couldn't be asked hopping out i don't want to do anything just move your legs a little bit in the chair. Move your hips. Do it right now. You'll feel there's energy happening in your body. Yeah. <laughs> just like move it. <laughs> and, and you feel that, that movement. And you can start getting yourself motivated in those small ways. I don't even want to know what this inside joke is. It's going on. <laughs> I don't even know why he's laughing at me either. You just <laughs> put your leg up and I'm thinking about your box and I'm thinking about the lube that would be in there, the gallon jar. Oh, That's disgusting. I would never put something like that in my box. Thank you. <laughs> my box for healing, okay? And for, you know, self-caring. You know you the one thing it. I want to say, though, about self-care, and I've just thought mm -hmm. about this weirdly from this strange thing that just happened there. <laughs> That's how the show rolls, girl. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's just like my mind that, you know, when... We need to think about why we use self-care as well. And I mean, I coming from a background working in domestic violence and seeing victims be just go through just the most extreme gaslighting and being told that they need to take better care of themselves by the perpetrator, by services around them as well that are supposed to be supporting them. 
Um, and I can see that it's being used as a buffer to have this person survive and thrive in violence. And I think that that's something that I really wanted to point out, that when you're taking your pulse and if you're doing self-care so that you can help someone else's existence more so than your own, children mm -hmm. usually excluded here unless there's <laughs> some family violence situation, um, you really need to consider that. And I would highly recommend um, some professional sort of assistance with it because that's probably a scenario. Self-care is great and all, but we do have to work out what's our I was purpose. I to say, is there, is there maladaptive stuff in self-care as well that people obviously, um, I mean, we joked earlier about alcohol, but that's one that people, advice that people can cling to. Oh, um, yeah. Drug taking in the more extreme circumstances, but also, yeah, like Milk staying in, in. Yes. Staying yes. in. Well, some in, of these um, things are in moderation, Yeah, absolutely. And, um you know, I, I think that it's something just to be mindful of. Why are we doing self-care? What am I doing? Is this for me? Is this for my well-being? You know, so, and I mean, the thing is, though, we do need to survive and thrive during adversity as well. So, I mean, if that is going on, we do need to look after ourselves, but it's not always the onus is on us. If, if things in our system aren't working and it's, sometimes it's not our fault. So yeah. that's something just to be, I think, mindful of. I don't know why the leg in the earth made me think of that, but it's... <laughs> Just where I well, went. I elicit lots of things in people, I guess. <laughs> you know, um, you know <laughs> dating history. Like, if they're a narcissist, it's a style. You admitted it. That's it. I only like oh, to get yeah. in the water if there's a shark, mate, you, you know, and I, I've got a little cut in me. Um, <laughs> we joke, but, you know. I, I feel but, like I need to go to therapy with Sandy. I think I need to start weekly meetings with her. Can you imagine if we did, like, a live therapy, Jeff? <laughs> I I would the do new Doctor Phil. I would do it as a pre-record so that we could edit anything else. We would edit the shit like, out and just his make... inevitable breakdown that he'll yeah. have during it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, yeah. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for joining us. You know, That's it was fantastic. a really great conversation. And, yeah, this um, is really important in my field of practice. I mean, as I said, we're notoriously bad at using this ourselves, but mm -hmm. it is something once you have those rituals in place and, you know, every day you're just practicing it more and more and the rewards pay off. Absolutely, it yeah. pays off. Yeah. All right, so we're going to do a challenge now, Jeff, okay? By the next <laughs> live show, we're going to have our toolkit prepared. We're going to show it. When, we, when we've got it done. And we're also going to have a list of things that we're doing to self-care as well. I better go hit the ATM. Yeah. <laughs> that cash well, out and have it in just big wads. I always, <laughs> you know, I, I swear, and I keep saying what to do and I haven't done it. I've always wanted to get just like 10,000 in ones and then like throw it on the bed and roll just around roll in it. Make it. Yeah. Get the feel. I can That's see it's a very Christy Alley, th Kirstie Alley thing to do there, I think. <laughs> I could just see her always doing that. But she would have a burger. That's her self-care. <laughs> food's all right, too. You can have some food items in there. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I do want to extend the challenge. So not only, so I've worked with clients in the past where we don't just have one that we have at home. We have mm -hmm. self-care toolkits that we take in the car. So there's one special one for the car. What if you have a friend who's having, like, a little meltdown and you're like, it's all right, I got it, I got you, you know, like, Let's go to my car. I've got a kit, you know. Some or, tissues and Bacardi. Yeah. You're yeah. going to be okay, girl. <laughs> or we have one at the workplace because these places all need different types of self-care, don't they? 
but that could be mm-hmm. like self-care part five, you know. <laughs> that could be another new challenge um, or All one right. that you develop with your kids. So that's our challenge. So we're going to do our self-care kits. Oh, should we do one for the kids too? That would be could really cool. Could we do cool. that? A self-care kit for the kids. Oh, my gosh, there's going to be books in there. I'm going to have to read them. I don't even want to go down that path. <laughs> oh, honey, oh. honey, you just get the tablet and they read them for you now. Yeah, oh. and it turns them into, like, zombies. They just tune out. They're just like, the screen's there. Like, oh, my gosh. You can put no. the book on the TV, get the YouTube thing, and you can read the whole book. The kids love it. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll go for that. That's parenting shorts. That's our self-care, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, like, you should use technology. Life Absolutely. Hat. You know, we're the information age right now. Everything's online. Like, if you want meditation, you want some kind of yoga, all of those kind of things, use it. You want to do breathing techniques, ask your, your Apple Watch. You know, like that's how I do mine. I, I get my breathing you want Katie, down. If you want Katie Underwood CD, you just got to look up Mantra Healing on iTunes. Is she on Spotify? <laughs> yes, she is. Spotify. I think she is. I'm hitting her up a bit. I'm including her in my toolkit. There you go. It's Katie Underwood's gone in everyone's toolkit tonight, girls. Okay, so we'll just start with three and four because one and two is not here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. Okay, so um, expressing gratitude. So just as it's beneficial to keep track of what we've done, it's also good to notice what we have. Keep a journal by your bed. There you go, Katie. And yeah. note the things that you feel lucky to have. Everything from clean sheets to a good friend is worth noting. Well, they I guess that's exactly just what we've just chatted about Um, and appreciating things and, yeah, and gift your inner child. What were some of your favourite things when you were little? Did you love sidewalk chalk, picking wildflowers, eating marshmallows? Treat your inner child to a little present, the warm feelings to wash over you. Um, The inner child thing sort of comes up a lot in a lot of different... (laughs) um, (laughs) There's one and two. We'll get one and two. (laughs) Jeff found it. Um... The inner child stuff comes up a lot in different therapies. And I think, mm. I mean, I guess that's where all problems start, right, is shit that happens to you when you're a kid. Um, and we sort of have to really nurture that vulnerable part of ourselves, that that child that we still all are inside. Um, yeah, I just find it's a recurring theme. Um, I'm not sure, like, Vera, do you guys really go into that in your line of work? Uh, well, that's nothing that I've gone into. I'm sure that other therapists at the clinic have probably done that. But, you know, I mean, if you're exploring options, you know, just playing. Sometimes just playing is a lot of fun, you know. Mm. Play a game. Play with a game with your kids or play a game with your friends, oh. you know. I Actually, when I... I went to an energy specialist after uh, the suicide of my grandparents because I just, I didn't know what to do. And one of my friends kept suggesting it. And I, I really was making fun of it. Like, what you going to do? Bang a gong and wave her magic rocks, right? Like, what? But at the point, I was just like, all right, let's go. I went and, like, one of the things she did was we went back to, like, this childhood and she talked about taking that eight-year-old self and giving him a hug and saying it's okay and doing these things. And it was the most intense experience I think I've ever had. Mm. But after that, I was like, okay, this works because I really, it put to bed all of the things that I had going on about it. 
it, it was it was pretty amazing. I think it's it's really interesting that you know there might be aspects of our childhood that we can look back on fondly, but I think for a lot of us there were some huge gaps in what we were given compared to what we need as individuals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there was so well, there just wasn't as much information really for our you know parents on how to do what they did. They did the best they could. So. I think for us, it's it's that going back and kind of reparenting ourselves in the way yeah. that we need, um, and healing some of those wounds because you know that's not going to happen from our our actual parents. For some people, their parents are long gone. You know that opportunity is 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 over. Um, but there's always that opportunity for us to continue to reparent and nurture that um, in ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, and I guess, and it's also just accepting that. You know, we it, no one's perfect. No one's had the perfect upbringing. No one's had the perfect parents. Like everyone's flawed, and that's okay. Like I think mm. there's a stigma around all of that too, where we sort of beat ourselves up a little bit um, through life, and we shouldn't do that. You know, because no. we're all doing the best we can, right? We're all yeah. fucked up messes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In our own special way. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of messes, Jeff, where is that one and two? The I got it. I got it. You blind bat. Okay, pop it up for me, Maybe please, if you turn your head forward, <laughs> work down that ringlet a little bit. Okay, so eat healthily and mindfully. This is something I've failed at in the last couple of years, like I've gotten so fat, I've put on 10 kilos from working shift work. I'll be honest, I'm just throwing it out there, I don't care. Um, and I eat a lot of shit, I eat easy food because it's, I'm tired all the time because I work mm. crazy hours. So whenever I'm home, I'm just like, eh, do I really wanna spend an hour cooking? No. Uh, and it he doesn't loves- help that I have a child that won't eat anything because she's just decided that she's a vegetarian, even though she doesn't know what that is. Um, <laughs> and she's very fussy. So the things that I, I prepare for her are limited and it's not really stuff that I want to eat. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've definitely fell off the wagon and eat a lot of bad food. And I know that that does contribute to um, – your your mind like your healthy mind as well like it's if body's going to crap then your mind is too Mm. drinking is horrible for i think everybody's mental health right like i know the day after having a bunch of booze mentally i feel like crap i'm depressed it's a terrible cycle like a lot of people like yeah if you're going out to something a couple of i look what i would do actually when i used to party um, I would have drinks to not be socially anxious. Mm, and yeah. so then, you know, then, yeah, I'd be a big mouth and be the life of the party. But the next day I'd just be like, my God, I would rather be dead right now. Well, I think and- that's the, the conflicting thing about alcohol is on the first few drinks, you know, you think it, it makes you more excitable, more outgoing and kind of does. But the fact is on a chemical level, alcohol is a depressant, you know, so over time it's only going to make things worse and not better. And that's, but, you know, it's such a, it's such an easy trap to fall for because everyone's it, out it there all- drinking and, and while you're out and drunk, everyone seems happy. So it's, easy to mistake that oh alcohol equals happiness you know but um often that's not the case and it does keep you from dealing with the pain yeah you know yeah. if you self-medicate and you just bury the pain and 
you're not you're not embracing it and forgiving and, and moving on. Definitely, it numbs stuff, and it's an yeah. escape, right? It's yeah. like other, it's like shit food. Um, alcohol is definitely an escape because it it begins by taking the edge off, but then, as you were saying, Katie, I think the more people drink, especially, and I and I completely understand it, even from a health professional perspective, it takes a whole people very easily. Yeah. And then it becomes very detrimental very quickly. Um, and you can see it just in, in health outcomes too. A lot of people that I've nursed have got, you know, young dementia, things like that, all brought on from oh, yeah. abuse of yeah, alcohol. Absolutely. Look, I don't I, think it's just alcohol, right? I oh, After all that stuff not. happened, I went on prescribed not. medication. Uh, yeah. And after a couple of years, it helped me get through what I needed it to. But then I'm like, I feel numb. I don't feel anything. I don't get happy. I don't get sad. Like I'm just get addicted to that numbness and and don't want to feel happy or sad. Here was the thing: I live there. I was tripping balls. Like I was, you know, I'm going to therapy every week, and I'm like, look, I don't feel normal anymore. Like so and so just died, and I don't care. Like I don't feel anything. Like this can't be good either. Because I'm not dealing with anything. Like, I'm in a loop of shit. So once I finally got off it, it's, it'll be a year this summer. It's, like, it's still there. Like, it's taking a very long time for it to clear out of my system. Yeah. And I, I wish I'd maybe gotten off sooner and been like, okay, time to deal with your shit, big boy. Get your, get your panties up. Let's do this. Because it's rough. Like, and I think people don't. Well, it's no. easy to become dependent on something, isn't it? Very well, and the doctors don't tell you that, okay, yeah, you're supposed to be on this for like 18 months or whatever time frame it was, and then you really should be getting off it. Like, nobody said that to me. Nobody said that there could be lasting effects the longer I'm on it. And I'm not discouraging anybody. I think medication is great. I, I would probably not have survived without it. But mm. at the same time, I wish they would have said, you know, you, you do at some point have to deal with the reasons why you're on it. Well, I think it, there should be more encouragement or more information around when doctors prescribe these medications. And like you, I'm, you know, I'm pro meds when we're needed, mm-hmm. but that that should be combined with a talking therapy program. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That that is the adjunct to okay, take the meds so that you can function. But alongside that, you know, you get together with a psychologist or a counsellor or a psychotherapist and actually work through stuff and, as you say, and then transition to not being dependent on the medication because medication will only ever help you with the symptoms. I mean, obviously, in some cases, some people do need to be medicated and that's a different conversation. Totally. Um, You know, and that's a a different bag. But for people that are just kind of dealing with um, stuff that's coming up that they need help with, then I think... You know, it's imperative to have that talking therapy in place and not just go, okay, here, take some pills and good luck and see you in five years. You know, that's... Yeah, work through but, it. Clean yeah. the shit out of the cupboard. Right. Yeah, but I think a lot of people do fall through the cracks. I mean, I've had friends that were prescribed, you know, antidepressants and eight years later they're still on them going, now I don't, now I don't know how to function without being on them uh, and I still haven't really, you know, dug into why... I feel this way and it's um it, it's sad that that a lot of people seem to fall through the cracks in that uh in that system. 
Yeah. Do you know anything in Australia? Are they doing any trials with Kentermine? Like, I was just reading a fascinating study about over here where it's like you know, a party drug, right? Like, the people now, like, mu- mushrooms, um, any kind of psychedelic drugs are doing a lot of studies with treating people in a doctor setting. And then part of it is it's not really regulated, but they're saying like talk therapy has to go on with this and it can actually have a much better effect than prescribed medication. And I think it's fascinating. I I think the stigma around studying things like hallucinogens and MDMA is starting to lift off, but I think we're a long way off the average person accessing that sort of treatment. Um, I think a lot more research needs to be done. And and again, it's not about, okay, we're going to treat you with psilocybin, give you some mushrooms, send you home and wish you luck. You know, it's it's something from what I understand, it's like you, like any medical appointment, you would take whatever substance they've prescribed and then be in the room with your therapist who will then guide you through um the the process of of navigating your thought patterns i I mean i've i've read a lot on it in the sense that apparently it's um highly effective for people with ptsd um Mm. to really overcome past traumas and to re-experience those things in a less um traumatic way so i think there's huge potential for uh for that and i hope that that continues i think there's um you know, a lot more scope for positive outcomes rather than the other sorts of medications that, um, you know, perhaps are not as not as effective in actually helping people get through stuff. And like this, there's not really tons of long-term effects, you know, because you're taking small doses in a doctor setting. Like, you, know, you're sit- you have to sit there with them. And this is not like taking a prescribed drug that then you have to go on two other drugs to counteract the, all of the side effects well so I, not, I think it's interesting I, it is interesting there were several clients in our organization who went on the ketamine um but it's been a it's been a rough go there's only two that have stayed with it and uh you know so i think there's more um research, research. done on ketamine yeah sure. and um it was interesting you brought up ptsd katie um I guess therapies that also help those with PTSD is also, once again, it's like going back to that inner child and things like that as well, nurturing yourself. Um, I, I can't find with PTSD, it's it's one of the bigger things in our society that's not really spoken about. And a lot of people have it. Mm. And so then they are going on, you know, becoming addicted to prescription meds over drinking too much things like that and it's it's not i don't think it's clear on how people can actually deal with stuff like that i think it is a lot of therapy and once again there's a stigma there with therapy like oh there's something wrong with you you need to see a therapist but i think these just explode i'm sorry katie go ahead yeah no no go i was just going to say i think that the thing with ptsd is that the the origins of that or the causes of that is such there's such huge variation and diversity in it that therefore the answer is going to be very unique and very customized but please go ahead vera i just think that ptsd has exploded because we have a digital age where people are self-isolated and they don't have any supports and i think that we have endless wars we have returning soldiers we have people experiencing trauma I mean, just look at the the uh, 
Chauvin trial, all of those witnesses were in some form of PTSD from having mm. watched that murder. You mm. know, I mean, it's just, and those of us who watched it around the world have some level of PTSD from seeing it. You know, it's just the digital age bombards us with these images and we don't have tools to process them. Like we don't have extended families and we don't have extended communities. We have a digital world that is very sterile, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, that's why self-care is so important. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're here talking about it. Today. Yeah. And look, I, I think sometimes one of the answers to self-care is, you know, when you're referring to this over um, bombardment of media and information, I think probably one of the biggest tips to self-care in our modern age is switching off, turning the phone off, turning the news off. Yes. Um, I remember here in Australia when we were at the height of, um, you know, about a year ago when COVID was picking up and, and I was watching the news, it's constantly, it yeah. seemed, um, mm -hmm. for months. And then it hit a point where things started to level out and I had to give myself permission to switch the news off and stop watching every day, stop tuning in every hour. And not surprisingly, my anxiety levels dropped significantly because I wasn't constantly putting myself on this, oh, what's happening now? What's coming out now? Who's being elected now? Who's got COVID now? You know, this yeah. um, feeling that we need to know what's going on everywhere all the time is, uh, is, is not good for us. If you are experiencing oh, yeah. no. that heightened level of anxiety and even, you know, to the extreme PTSD, you know, sometimes I think the solution is, switch off we don't have to know everything you know everywhere it's not that important well, exactly what's it going to change like is it going to make the world better that you know that covid has this so many people infected and blah 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 like yeah it's good to be aware Sandy, thanks so much i know you're going to be somewhere Oh, we know mm -hmm. what you're doing. No, no, bitch. I don't have time for that. That thing doesn't work anymore. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.